down a threat to decency and humanity. Last week, along with cocaine, what is it today? It's more in one small country. It is a big idea. Because of oppression, has new Listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, an esoteric breakdown of the Superb Owl, otherwise known as the Super Bowl. Well, of course, it's that time of year again, ladies and gentlemen, and of course, as always, tensions are high in this world. And we've been handed this programming template from Sportsball, of which the masses pay very close attention to. And entertainment, which is closely related to the Sportsball. It's all one and the same. It is sports entertainment these days. All of it. Now, I know professional wrestling has taken on that moniker of sports entertainment, But that encompasses a lot of different things, and I would say football is no different. All of these things are rigged to a certain degree, and I think even people on the conservative end of the spectrum and looking at things like this are beginning to see the tells that that may be the case. Things like referees making calls that obviously they shouldn't have made and applying penalties they shouldn't have. And, of course, online betting on sports is very much a big business these days. So it would stand to reason that there's people maybe involved in the games themselves that would stand to make an awful lot of money if they were to, say, I don't know, throw a game or rig the games in certain ways. And that's not outside the realm of possibility, ladies and gentlemen. I'm of the mindset at this point that all professional sports are rigged. It's strange how it always seems to align with other things going on in the world, doesn't it? Think back to the times when we had some events, violent events in Boston. And of course, the Patriots won the Super Bowl that year. Never seems to fail, does it? It's always this kind of a notion. And when we look back at some of the other big events, we always seem to see, seem to see many of these same types of notions. How it's the underdog team, you wouldn't think, and they had this such and such disaster in this city that year, and look at this. They went out there and they won the big game. They won the championship representing this city. They're Boston strong. They're Philadelphia strong. They're, insert town name here, They're this town strong, this city strong, or some such notion like that. So 
That being the case, I think it's accepted by a lot of people that many of these things are rigged. Now, that doesn't mean you can't still enjoy them. Well, certainly you can. I've always been a big fan of pro wrestling. I really haven't watched it much in recent years, but many years ago, I did watch it avidly, knowing full well that it was all scripted, but that doesn't make what those athletes do every night. Doesn't make the point moot. Doesn't make it any less legitimate as far as being a sport. It most certainly is, even though the outcomes are rigged, and they know what the outcomes are going to be ahead of time, in most cases. And they put on a performance. They're still putting their bodies on the line out there to do this stuff. So it's not to take away from the athleticism or the skill of these people. That's not the case at all. They do certainly put in their time and their practice. And they do have their skills that they do hone in this way. Now, aside from all that, like I said, you could still enjoy it to a certain degree. But my problem with it is when they blatantly begin to use this stuff as an outright means of social engineering and an outright means of throwing it in your face, what it is that they have planned for the future and what they're going to do and how they pre-echo these things. And when they openly give you satanic ceremony and ritual in your face, that's when I begin to take umbrage with what's being presented. So tonight, we're going to break down this Super Bowl and many of the things surrounding this coming Super Bowl that we're looking at. Because just like everything else in this world, all the world is a stage and these people that are involved in this big game, this big event, and make no mistake about it, it is a big event, and it's been playing out in front of us on the world stage here, the culmination in this big game, the things they're looking for. And we'll see tonight, by the time we're done here, just what the intent is with this and perhaps a little bit of what we could expect in the year to come. You see, 2024, it's going to be a wild ride, folks. And we're going to go and we're going to break it down in an esoteric fashion. We're going to look at the occult underpinnings to all of this. All of the key and salient points that have been leading up to this and how they've been hijacking the public consciousness in certain directions with not only the sports entertainment, but the things associated with this particular brand of sports entertainment, and we'll get there, because there's a lot that's come out in more mainstream media lately, and some of the alternative media, some of the more readily accepted alternative media, I would argue the controlled alternative media about some of these things. And many of these things that have leaked out and come out that people are talking about are of importance in the occult aspect of this. So we're going to get into that. And first we're going to break it down here by looking at a little piece I wrote last year 
about the Super Bowl back then, and referring back even to the Super Bowl of 2022. This is something that is, in Western culture, it's a very, very big thing. This is a massive event, the Super Bowl. And there's a reason for that. It has to do with programming the human mind. So this is an event that all eyes are upon. So it's a very important thing here to cover, in my estimation. It's not something we could overlook, because they love to use things like this to push and promote not only agendas, but to control public opinion and sway public opinion on things, and they use all sorts of occult tools to get this done. So we're going to begin reading there. Are you ready for the big game? How about the halftime show? It seems that every year we see more and more blatant satanic imagery emerge around and within the Super Bowl. The advertisements, which companies spend untold millions of dollars on, also seem to echo this imagery as well. Sometimes we get subtle glimpses at coming events if we have the eyes to see. For instance, in 2022's Super Bowl, the Chargers, with their blue and yellow uniforms, won the big game and pre-echoed the Russian invasion of Ukraine in the minds of the masses. going to pause for a moment there. Do you remember that? Blue and yellow. Even Snoop Dogg wore the blue and yellow during his halftime performance that year. And wouldn't you know, just a month or so later, the whole war in Ukraine kicked off. That's right, that's been going on for nearly two years now. Unbelievable how that happens, isn't it? So, we have that kind of a thing in mind here. Color can make a significant impact on the human psyche, so it is often used as a programming tool. Let's keep that in mind here as we get further into tonight's program. And as we explore this year's color schemes in the Super Bowl, and maybe we could make some speculation as to what that's all about. Snoop Dogg wore the colors representing Ukraine, foreshadowing things to come. How could this be? Would you believe me if I told you that the outcomes of these NFL games are predetermined, much like pro wrestling? The evidence would suggest that this is the case with almost any professional sport. Are these outcomes manipulated to promote certain social agendas by using subtle clues? It seems possible. All of the major sports leagues have been highly influential to popular culture and seem to leverage this influence in the promotion of certain social agendas. The Super Bowl is a prime example of this trend. Not only do we see unified messaging within the game itself, but all the ancillary activities surrounding it as well. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. And even more so this year than the previous years, I will add as we'll see as we get into that a little bit later. But let's read on here. Now remember, this is an article I wrote last year pertaining to the Super Bowl and talking about the 2022 Super Bowl. Not only do we see the unified messaging within the game itself, but all the ancillary activities surrounding it, the halftime performers, the advertisers, the security surrounding the arena... All of these seem to work together to present a unified front in pushing media-driven narratives. 
The occult connotations associated with the pageantry of it all has a profound effect on the unconscious mind. That is why they use occult symbolism throughout the ritual that is known as the Super Bowl, which is actually a take on the Superb Owl. And I'm going to pause for a moment here again, folks, before we get into the Superb Owl. Many people have heard this now, and there's been a lot of speculation about it. And, of course, the mainstream has run counterpoint to this and poking fun at the whole idea and saying, oh, it was just a mistake in spelling or some such thing, and somebody construed it as the Superb Owl, and it became an Internet meme, and it, they just turned it into this joke. It's not a joke. It is not a joke. We're going to get into... What exactly does the Superb Owl represent? And why is this a thing? Why is this a play on words? And it most certainly is. If you go back and you look at the traditions of what's known as the Phonetic Kabbalah, you'll see that there's absolutely real intention to this type of a thing. And they'll just say it's some kind of a joke. Or, or some such thing as that. It's become a meme, and it's just funny. Haha, ha. laugh it off. There's nothing to the whole notion. Just a coincidence. Another one of those happy coincidences that seem to happen and surround all of our culture when it comes to these conspiratorial-type topics, right? But let's break it down now. We'll tell you what is the superb owl all about. The manipulation of language and the written word can likewise be used as a tool for programming the minds of the masses. And this play on words, Super Bowl to Superb Owl, is an homage back to the mystery religions of antiquity, and particularly the Egyptian mysteries. Gonna pause for a moment there, folks. The Egyptian mysteries are highly venerated by the Freemasons, among other of these occult fraternities and secret society groups. And the Masons, even more so, they pay homage and reverence to the Egyptian mysteries. Now, we'll get into what exactly does this represent. The Owl is a representation of Isis, the goddess of magic and the divine feminine principle. This is the same principle which is venerated at Bohemian Grove, although the owl statue there has been erroneously misidentified as Moloch. This is not the same archetype. And we were given the false interpretation of the symbol to throw us off the trail. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. If you're not familiar with Egyptian mythology, you see, in Egyptian mythology, Isis, who was the goddess of magic, among other things, and representing the divine feminine, or the feminine side of the Godhead. When Osiris was betrayed and cut up into 14 parts by Typhon, and his body parts were spread throughout the kingdom, Isis turned into an owl and took flight to find the missing pieces of Osiris, to try to put them back together and magically reanimate him. Well, she succeeded in finding 13 of the pieces. The 14th missing piece, the phallus of Osiris, was eaten by fishes 
and was no longer viable. So she had to erect, pun intended, <laughs> a new false phallus for Osiris in order to reanimate the corpse of Osiris. And that is how they allegedly conceived Horus, which would be Osiris re-risen again in the morning. In the new morning, at the new dawn, the horizon, Horus risen. In case you're not familiar with a lot of the symbolism here. Now, this 14th missing piece is also called by the Freemasons the Lost Word. And we'll get a little further into this symbolism here later because it's important. But that is who this superb owl represents is Isis, the feminine, the divine feminine. The feminine aspect of the Egyptian trinity. When you understand that, other things going on in this year's Superb Owl or Super Bowl event will begin to make sense as we break them down here a little further. So this is one of the big secrets, and this is what the Superb Owl represents. It's not just a clever play on words or notion that came up erroneously on the internet as a joke or as a misspelling or a typo somewhere that people picked up on and made a massive meme out of. There's more to it than that. It is certainly something with some deep esoteric roots. And when you begin to understand how deep the deception in this world runs, it has a profound effect on you when you do realize this. So if you understand the true meaning of the symbol... It does not affect you as profoundly as it would otherwise. The symbol of Isis is indeed the superb owl, and this event, the Super Bowl, is the ritualistic invocation of the crowned and conquering child, the Age of Horus, as described by Aleister Crowley. Every year, the symbolism becomes more and more obvious. We have been slowly conditioned to accept the profound changes that have been imposed on society, and the use of occult ritual is one of the key catalysts for the normalizing of the degradation of the moral compass of our culture. And that is exactly what the big game is really all about, the fall of the human mind. And I'm going to pause for a moment there now. Now, you may have heard of Bohemian Grove, and they have this big owl there, which they falsely attribute to Moloch. It's not Moloch that that represents, folks. It's the same superb owl represented in the ritual that is known as the Super Bowl. Why do you think they dress in drag at Bohemian Grove? Why do you think it's generally only men there? Because... You see, it's about invoking the divine feminine in them. It's about contacting the feminine side of the God principle, which is where the occultists and the magicians claim that the power truly resides in God, is in the feminine aspect of God, the feminine side. What do you think they're up to there? This is where they decide world events. And of course, it's mostly, it's always mostly been attributed to having Republicans and this type of thing in the political realm.
being present at Bohemian Grove, but it goes way deeper than that. It goes way beyond that. You see, it's the big club, once again. And many of these people who attend the event, I'm sure they probably don't understand what's going on. Or understand all the nuance of the symbolism, but there are those there that most certainly do. And they have vowed their blood oaths to the various mystery schools and secret society groups that hold these secrets within them. And they've given their allegiance to these groups. And having done so, they all work towards the same overarching agendas. So anyway, now that we've laid down this whole foundation as to what is the true nature of the Super Bowl or the Superb Owl, now we can go ahead and maybe look at the coming events of this year, of this 2024 Super Bowl. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the known and accepted facts and criteria surrounding this event before we break it down esoterically. And we can know a few things. This is Super Bowl 58, and it's going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada, on February the 11th, 2024. The Kansas City Chiefs will be facing the San Francisco 49ers. Take special note of the color scheme of both teams' uniforms, because this will be important later, as we pointed out earlier, colors represent symbolically some very important or key aspects to events that we can expect this coming year. As we have seen and demonstrated with the 2022 Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, just days later, if I remember correctly, all of a sudden on your Facebook page, everybody had this blue and yellow border on their their pictures, their profile pictures, saying, I support Ukraine, I support the next big thing, right? I support the next thing. All of the, the virtue signaling that went on. And of course, these colors were invoked in the Super Bowl. And that kind of programmed the template out for the rest of the year. So I think it's demonstrable. I think we proved the point with that example. Now let's take a close look at the colors this year and we'll touch on those later. But just for now we'll take note both the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers both have as prominent colors red and gold or yellow with white as well. So the important ones are red and gold or red and yellow to keep in the front of our minds with this. So now, let's talk about something else. What's the media circus been all about the past several months now? Since, oh, I don't know, about the middle of October, well, it would seem that a particular Kansas City Chiefs player came into the limelight, number 87, Travis Kelsey, because he began dating... Taylor Swift, who inexplicably catapulted into superstardom over the course of the past several months, even attaining the almighty billionaire status. 
Now, she just completed her record-breaking Eras tour. Eras, E-R-A-S, but it can be very easily misconstrued as Eris, E-R-I-S, as we'll see here. The Eras tour. There have been others in popular and very likely controlled alt-media who have speculated about how she very much looks like Anton LaVey's daughter. You know, Anton LaVey, that founder of the Church of Satan. And people have talked about this, and some in the conspiratorially-minded community have speculated maybe she's a clone of Anton LaVey's daughter. And of course, that type of talk makes people like me and people who talk about these things look ridiculous. It's hard enough to break through to the minds of your regular average people as it is without presenting them with ridiculous notions like this that are, first of all, unprovable and unfounded. And second of all, they just sound way out in left field. Way beyond the realm of being reasonable. But keep this in mind, so this is brought to the attention of many in the alt-media. Some of the more controlled players or popular players in the alt-media, the ones that have taken up the banner of Q and have gotten behind the political push for Trump. You know, the, the ones that came into the mix here to replace Fox News as the alternate view, as the controlled player in the game of media. And that's what we're left with. So we have them bringing this up and making these connections to make it sound even more ridiculous. And of course you have the mainstream media proper countering some of those points by laughing at it and saying, oh, it's some of those unhinged right-wingers talking about such things as this and making these claims. And there's nothing to it, of course. That's what they'll say. But let's keep that in mind here. So the simple fact that the alternative media or portions thereof are talking about this perhaps connection to Anton LaVey, or Anton LaVey's daughter, this establishes a signal for anybody in the know that there's something about her meteoric rise that has some hidden occult context to it. And I assure you, it has nothing to do with Anton LaVey or his daughter. But they're telling you, yes, there's something that ties to the occult here by letting that kind of thing come out in the alternative media. Knowing full well it's going to make people look ridiculous and most people will laugh it off as nothing more than the misguided ramblings of lunatics who believe in the Q nonsense which is exactly what that whole movement was designed to do, make anybody who questions the official narrative look ridiculous in the most obscene type of way. And that's what they're doing here, but at the same time, they're giving you the wink-wink, nudge-nudge, yes, there's something more to this sudden wealth and fame of Taylor Swift, who, as far as I know, yes, she's been a performer for a number of years, but for some reason... Just this, these past several months, she's really been catapulted into the limelight for some inexplicable reason. Let's continue here. 
So it's an indication that stories involving Taylor Swift often have hidden messages encoded in them. That's what's being presented to us here by the alternative media taking off with this kind of a connection. And, of course, they are talking about how she allegedly voted for Biden back in the last election and how she's supposed to be coming out and supporting Biden. And, of course, they're talking all over some of these more right-wingy type alt-media platforms how she's going to come out in the Super Bowl and support Biden and how her and her boyfriend here, Travis Kelsey, uh, somehow are involved with this messaging about the election and this kind of thing. And, of course, they always try to tie it back to the political. Always. And make it look and sound ridiculous, which is what they've done. And certainly you can't deny that Travis Kelsey got a $20 million deal from Pfizer to promote the COVID vaccines. And that's another point that they make here. And they claim that all of a sudden this meteoric rise in wealth and fame for the two of them has something more to it. And they're not wrong. But it doesn't have anything to do with the political realm of things, in my estimation. There's something better going on here. I shouldn't say better. Something more going on here. In my estimation. So Swift, having these coded messages inserted into the stories that talk about her all the time. That's what we need to keep in mind. And we've seen this circulating in the media almost 24-7 for the past four months now. Something like that. Her sudden connection to pro football suggests some greater type of social engineering agenda is underway here. So let's examine some details surrounding this massive push for all things Taylor Swift all of a sudden. Because, you see, this very public figure has come to represent a certain archetype, as we'll see as we begin to make more connections. This archetype has been leveraged as a programming template for the human mind. The archetype in play here is hidden in plain sight. All you have to do is look at the name of Swift's tour that catapulted her into the Billionaires Club. Her tour and the accompanying movie that came out was called The Eras Tour, Eras, E-R-A-S. But now, instead of using the word eras, remember the old sounds-like-is-like trope that we talk about all the time? Think of eras as eris, E-R-I-S. In the use of the phonetic Kabbalah, the rule of thumb is sounds like is like. So Eras is actually a play on words representing Eris, the Greek goddess of chaos, strife, discord, contention, and rivalry, who's often depicted wearing red and is said to incite war and calamity. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. Also, Eris, the Greek goddess can also be connected biblically to the Scarlet Woman of the Book of Revelation. If you want to make that connection here as well. And notice the color red. What are the colors of the football team's uniforms again? The preeminent ones? Of course, red and gold. Remember the gold, too. This, this attaches here as well. We're going to read a little snippet here from the... Dictionary of Greek and Roman Biography and Mythology. Eris, the goddess who calls forth war and discord, according to the Iliad, 
She wanders about, at first small and insignificant, but she soon raises her head up to heaven. She is the friend and sisters of Ares, and with him she delights in the tumult of war, increasing the moaning of men. She is insatiable in her desire for bloodshed, and after all the other gods have withdrawn from the battlefield, she still remains rejoicing over the havoc that has been made. She was a daughter of the night, according to Hesiod, and the poet describes her as the mother of a variety of allegorical beings, which are the causes or representations or representatives of man's misfortunes. It was Eris who threw the apple into the assembly of gods, the cause of so much suffering and war. Virgil introduces her as Discordia, as being similar to the Homeric Eris, for Discordia appears in the company of Mars, Bologna, and the Furies, and Virgil is evidently imitating Homer. And that's the end of the little snippet we're going to read here, but keep in mind now, it said here, Eris was the one who threw the apple into the assembly of gods, the cause of so much suffering and war. And what this, this entry in this encyclopedia fails to mention is the color of the apple. It was a golden apple. A gold apple. She threw into the assembly of gods to cause suffering and war. So what are we looking at in the world around us today? If not suffering and war. And we'll get there. Bear with me. We'll get there. Now we're going to read another snippet here, talking about Eris, again. In Hesiod's Works and Days... Verses 11 through 24, two different goddesses named Eris are distinguished. He says, So after all, there was not one kind of strife alone, but all over the earth there are two. For as the one, a man would praise her when he came to understand her, but the other is blameworthy, and they are wholly different in nature. For one fosters evil war and battle, being cruel. Her no man loves, but perforce. Through the will of the deathless gods, men pay harsh strife, her honor due. And that's the end of the little snippet we're going to read from Hesiod. Concerning Eris, the archetype represented by Taylor Swift, ladies and gentlemen. You see, it runs so much deeper than just this political notion of things that they've tried to paint the brush with. It's very interesting to note that Taylor Swift became a billionaire with an estimated net worth of $1.1 billion at age 33 within 19 days of the pivotal terrorist event that plunged Israel into war in Gaza. Going to pause for a moment there, folks. So are you paying attention? Are you beginning to see... Some of the numerology surrounding this here as well. And some of the interesting facets of it. You see, all of a sudden, this figure, this prominent media figure, who is rising to stardom, well, within 19 days of the onset of this new war and bloodshed in Israel, 
At the age of 33, well, she was given an estimated net worth of $1.1 billion. There's your 11 and your 33. And, of course, 19 is a very significant number in the occult as well. And if you've been following this show for any length of time, you immediately understand what's being conveyed here. Now, this is directly from mainstream news articles, and we'll get to some here in a moment. This also, on the eve of the release of her 1989 TV album, we'll circle back to the numbers again later, and you could decide for yourself if it's coincidence, or if coincidence is a reasonable enough explanation for the repeating patterns we'll begin to see here. And now we're going to read a little snippet from an article from Bloomberg. Taylor Swift is officially a billionaire thanks to her record-breaking Eras tour and re-recording project, according to Bloomberg. She's one of the youngest self-made billionaires. And this article was written by Alicia Adamchik, October 26th, 2023, 19 days after the events that unfolded plummeting Israel into war and bloodshed, and of course Gaza as well. Now, regardless of what your take is on that whole notion, and I think I've actually touched on that a little bit here in the past, understand it's the archetypes involved. Then there has a, they have a picture here of Taylor Swift, and it says Taylor Swift, 33, is officially a billionaire, according to Bloomberg. Pop music Supernova, going to pause for a second, notice that this article refers to her as Supernova. That's important, too, as we'll see later. Maybe you're making the connections in your brain already. I hope so. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you're probably astute in those regards, and you're probably picking these things up before I'm even making the connection for you. But pop music supernova Taylor Swift has officially joined the Three Comma Club, Bloomberg News reports, on the eve of the release of 1989 TV. And amid a record-breaking tour and box office bonanza, the singer-songwriter's net worth sits at an estimated $1.1 billion. And that's the end of the article from Bloomberg here we're going to read from. So, do we see a couple things right out of the gate here? You can see some of these stories, and you see how Taylor Swift has been set up as this public figure representing this archetype. Now, let's go ahead and we'll continue a little bit further here with a breakdown. The numbers and colors are of utmost importance, as you will see, because these symbols convey intent within their repeated patterns. You may be thinking to yourself, what does any of this have to do with football? Well, let's get into that now. It would appear that Taylor Swift's relationship with Travis Kelsey has made the duo into the first couple of sports entertainment media. This represents a type of alchemical union process introducing the divine feminine into a traditionally hyper-masculine paradigm. So now this first couple of sports entertainment media has the whole archetype encoded in their public personas, right down to the names, numbers, and colors. So I hope I'm not losing anybody here yet, because a lot of this, some people would consider a bridge too far. But it is important to understand and recognize the language of symbology, especially when it's prominently displayed in the open 
for anybody with eyes to see to pick up on. So let's go ahead. We'll start here with the numbers. And I like to use just simple English gematria to break things down. It's the most basic form of gematria. You take whatever letter of the alphabet it is and apply that number to it. So A is 1, B is 2, C is 3. You get the idea. Very simple English gematria. And when you do this, you begin to see number patterns emerge once again. See, to the dark occultists who socially engineer the masses, names, numbers, colors, and the interrelationship between all of these elements are hugely important. In their view, the more frequently these details overlap, the more power is added to the spell or the mind programming template that they're using. Now, a lot of people will claim any of this type of stuff is coincidence or you can take and apply any of these different types of numerological breakdowns to anything. So it's, it's all just nonsense, and that's how they see it. It's either coincidence or it's nonsense, and that there's no value to any of this. And of course, I say there's a great deal of validity in a lot of this stuff. This is what I have come up with a term for that I call synchromystic metadata. And it's out there. And you can find it and you can connect the dots. And seemingly unrelated topics or things begin to come together in a more recognizable pattern for you when you see this synchromystic metadata which populates in the zeitgeist or the greater information field. And that's another notion for another day that we'll discuss. This whole idea that it exists around us, this field, this information field, I like to refer to it as the zeitgeist, which is simply a German term meaning spirit of the time, simply because I think there's a spiritual element to this as well. Now, people will say that something like this it does exist. Many people from many different walks of life and belief systems will agree that this thing does exist, no matter what you call it. You can call it the Akashic Record. You could call it genetic memory, epigenetic memory, ancestral memory. You can call it the quantum information field. That's right, there's some very sciencey minded people out there that like to refer to it as such. But what they all agree on is that there's this greater information field in which we all exist, and that information can be attained through this field. And sometimes these things align together in synchronicities, in ways that seem to be something that can't be attained simply through coincidence. And many of these things defy statistical probability, and that's the whole point here. It's because there's something greater to it. And some of these points out there in this information field that we exist in will oftentimes point towards the same things. They'll point towards the same agendas, the same goals, the same types of ends or means. And you can begin to connect the dots when you see this. These seemingly unrelated things that all of a sudden seem to coalesce into the fruition of some new agenda or new achievement or new goal. And that's why I've referred to this as synchromystic metadata. Because it's out there everywhere. And we could use the analogy of the computer because we're all familiar pretty much at this point in time with 
the terminology we use in computers, computing language. So we may be familiar with what's called metadata. Now these are bits of information your computer picks up on the things that you do, the websites you visit, the keys that you use, and this kind of thing. It's all background details that you don't necessarily say or type into the browser, but it could pick up on because it's metadata. It knows keywords. It can determine things like this. That's like when all of a sudden, if you're typing into your browser and say you want to look up hamburgers, you type, type H-A, and then all of a sudden, it'll populate in the field hamburgers. Well, that happens through algorithm, and this is the kind of thing because it's picking up the data all around you, and it knows what you want to populate that field with. It's the same kind of an analogy here. This is what this synchromistic metadata is. But it works in the opposite way. Not only does it work in the way where it can make, perhaps, predictions as to what you may be putting out there, information-wise, but it can make predictions about what somebody else is putting out there, and it could combine these together if there's enough of this information out there in the quantum information field, if you want to call it that. It can steer certain agendas into being. It could steer certain events into being in certain ways. And it's the same thing. It would be like a suggestion. Now, your computers also make suggestions to you in this same way. That's why it's a good analogy. And that's why I term this metadata, because data is king. We're living in the age of big data. And they're collecting data. So many data points on individuals, it's ridiculous. They know you better than you know yourself at this point. And it's the same thing. It's always kind of been extant here. This information field we exist in. Like I said, many will call it the Akashic Record. Those who are familiar with the occult principles. All the information's there. We just don't always recognize it or we don't receive it. But there are these various points in the information field. Once you recognize that point, then it could lead you to another point and another point until it leads you down the trail to the exact representation of what it's suggesting in this information field. And I hope I'm not losing people on this. This is a concept that many people I don't think are comfortable thinking about, but certainly... People agree from all different walks of life. We do have this information field all around us all the time. And we can affect this information field. And of course, they'll call it many different things, like I said, but just for reference here, I like to use these terms to point out each of these little bits of information in the greater field, which I call the zeitgeist, are called synchromistic metadata. And once you recognize these little snippets of information and you connect the dots between them, you could see the bigger picture. You could be begin to see the forest from the trees. You see, in most cases, people will see the trees, but they won't recognize the forest that they're in. This gives you a broader overview of what you're looking at when you begin to see all of these different disparate bits of information that point in the same directions. So let's continue here. Enough with that little bit of a side note. It's an important side note, though.
just to try to help people learning how to think and how to how to use discernment to look at these things and apply these principles in finding truth because I think it is an important aspect to this. So to put it quite simply, we see repeated patterns that emerge that defy statistical probability. So many people would like to go out there and stick their head in the sand about it all and deny that it exists because it makes them uncomfortable. But see, doing that doesn't make this data go away. It is most definitely there. It's just your interpretation of it. Most people don't take the time to try to interpret it. They just shrug their shoulders and say, coincidence. That's one of their stock answers. But when does it stop being coincidence? How many connections do you have to see before you stop shrugging it off as coincidence? Well, when many of these things align in the ways they do, it defies statistical probability for it to just be random happenstance. And we'll see that as we get into this. So denying this data doesn't make it go away. So let's hear, we'll start with names. Okay, we'll start with the names first. Let's break them down with our gematria. And then we can connect some dots. And we'll hopefully understand beyond a shadow of a doubt what's going on here, what I'm talking about by the time we're done doing all this. So first point here, both Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, both of those names contain six letters in their first name and five letters in their last name. And what's six plus five, ladies and gentlemen? Eleven. So when you recognize things that have been said about the number eleven, notably by people like Aleister Crowley, how eleven is the evilest of numbers and the number eleven when you see it associated with certain things, you can understand that it's the equivalent of casting a spell. And it's not me making these things up, folks. Wish it was. It always ties back to the occult with this stuff. Always, always, always. I wish it wasn't the case. And it's not just me saying this. This is verifiable. You could go read Aleister Crowley's works yourself. And see what's said about that. And he's not the only one. Look up the literature of the OTO. Look up the Rosicrucians. Look up the Hermetic Brotherhood. Any of these other organizations, even Freemasonry, they'll touch upon the importance of these numbers. And the number 11 being key among them. So we have both Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Six letters in the first name, five letters in the last name for a total of 11 numbers each. So to make it really simple here, to start with, we have two 11s encoded directly in the names of these rising stars. Two 11. Well, wouldn't you know it, that's the date of the Super Bowl, two 11. And wouldn't you know it, these rising stars, the stars, that's the host city of the Super Bowl, Las Vegas, the stars. What do you know? So when we do a breakdown of the names here, and this will be important here later as we get a little further along, you'll see that the name Taylor, when you add all the digits together of the, the numbers of the name, 
you get 91. And Travis, you get 89. So we have a 91 and an 89. And of course, if you understand how oftentimes they will use the mirroring of numbers, we've seen this mirroring of the number in Taylor Swift's Rise to Fame. Taylor being 91, well, 19 days after the events that went down in Israel, she was elevated to the Billionaires Club and entrenched firmly in the public mind since then. So 91, 19, this inversion, 19, and Travis's name adds up to 89, so we have 1989, which is not only the year both of these individuals were born, but it's also the name of Taylor Swift's latest album, 1989 TV. TV. Notice the invocation of TV, which, if I remember correctly, it's supposed to mean Taylor's view or something like that. But you know what the connotation is with TV. TV is television, the greatest mind control tool ever invented. So 1989 TV. Let's continue a little bit further on here. If you want to do the last names too, I don't think they're as important to what we're going for here, but we'll do them. So Swift adds up to 77. You know, the good old Ion Zion, the mind weapon. And of course, Kelsey adds up to 36 or three sixes, six, six, six. Now, like I said, I know this is probably a bridge too far for most people who are indoctrinated into thinking into more normative types of ways. But could it be just mere coincidence that these numbers and symbols and colors and all of this stuff keep cropping up over and over and over again? attached to these individuals and these events and stories and narratives. It defies statistical probability, and I would really love to get in touch with a statistician to sit and calculate what are the chances of this all being coincidence. And we're not done yet. We're not done yet by a long shot. What else can we ascertain from these raw numbers that we were looking at? Well, if you're looking for hidden knowledge encoded in a communication, I'm going to let you in on a little something here. You need to know the cipher to do so. Now, there's a certain cipher that I've noticed through the course of time and research. And you're not going to hear this anywhere else, just so you're aware. And I came up with a name for this because I don't know what the actual name of this cipher is or if they use it in such language or such plain terms. But I call this the cipher of the lost word. Because you see, in Freemasonry, the lost word is synonymous 
with the missing phallus of Osiris, as we related in the story earlier, which is the number 14. So when you apply the 14 cipher to some of this information, you can find out more bits of information that are encoded in here. Now, keep in mind, I do reserve the right to be totally wrong about all of this because I'm going to go out on a limb and make a couple predictions here. I try not to do that because I don't know the future. And I certainly don't have some inside track on things. But I do have a gift of pattern recognition. And this cipher I've seen turn up a number of times. So I applied it here to see what it would result in. So this cipher of the lost word, because they refer to the lost word in Freemasonry, and it's synonymous with the number 14. In the Egyptian mysteries, it's the symbol, symbolic representation of the missing phallus of Osiris, or the 14th piece of his dismembered body in the myth. So therefore, if you apply the number 14, or 1-4, to the correct attribution in this way, and in, in many of these stories, you'll find your hidden information. So how do we know where to look? That's the other question here. How do we know where to look, what to look at, to apply this cipher to it? Well, we've identified the archetype that's being played here, Eris. And we've identified the vehicle for the archetype, Taylor Swift. And we identified the intended target of the archetype, which is Travis Kelsey as a representative of the NFL. So we need to look there. Now, we've been previously clued in by those in the alt-right as to some occult representation or connotation attached to this rise of fame associated with Taylor Swift by making accusations that perhaps... You know, she looks a lot like Anton LaVey's daughter. Maybe she's a clone of Anton LaVey's daughter. And all the ridiculous nonsense they did with that and trying to attach her to the political story of supporting Biden in the last election and maybe coming out and trying to sway the votes this time and how she's been pushed and promoted in media. And that seems to be the political motivation. Just bringing this to the attention, so we, we've had it brought to our attention, especially with the connection here drawing back to Anton LaVey, that there's something occult going on here, occult messaging going on. So if we could do this, we could infer that we need to apply some certain concepts or tools that we know here, one of which is the phonetic Kabbalah. And we can find some etymological roots of some of these names involved, first and foremost, before we get into the cipher bit. So let's start with the name Swift. What does swift mean? Well, it means rapidly or quickly. Much like her sudden onset of fame and fortune here, swift. And then we also have to look at the other side of this. What does the name Kelsey mean? Well, Kelsing, Kelsey is derived from a variant of the name Kelsey, spelled in a different way. It's a shortened form meaning Sennel's Island, or Fierce, 
is the connotation attached here. It's originating from the Old English surname Kelsey, and it can be surmised that Kelsey also means Sennel's Island. Sennel, however, has a much cooler connotation than that just connected to a couple towns in Lincolnshire, England. It actually translates to fierce. Kelsey is a name for fighters, and you can remind the person who's named Kelsey of this every day that their name is Fierce. Fierce. Therefore, we see Swift, Kelsey, rapid violence or conflict, Fierce, as the intent for the greater zeitgeist here. And have we not seen the onset of that going on in Israel? And we see the continuation of that going on in Russia and Ukraine and Russia, the former Soviet Union, maybe being symbolized here with the Super Bowl teams. The old Soviet Union. So we may be seeing a rise of prominence again of the old Soviet Union. Russia may attain some of its former glory because Russia is represented by the colors red and yellow. If you look at the old Soviet flag. Of course, I'm referring back to the Soviet Union. The current Russian flag does not the same. But this is hearkening back to some of their former glory. And this is speculation on my part. So like I said, I do reserve the right to be totally wrong on this. But we see all the events happening with Iran now. And we see the events going on in Israel, and we know the connections between Iran and Russia, certainly, and between Palestine and Iran and Russia. And of course you have this connection back to China, too, and we can't overlook that either with regards to the greater international policies going on out there. But... I think this may be a signifying that this war in Ukraine is going to take a turn and Russia is going to begin to take back some prominence, maybe some of their former glory in the Soviet Union, and perhaps more bloodshed, of course, represented by the color red. And, of course, that has to do with these names and the colors associated. But let's get back to the other portion here that we were talking about. So we have this overarching programming motif for the masses in play here. And of course it suggests war and violence and bloodshed and perhaps the rise to prominence again of the old Soviet era type of power structure over there. Maybe this will be the ascension of the BRICS nations into prominence as well. I don't know. I don't know what direction, but I see the symbolism present in the names and the colors here. And, of course, the numbers as well. Now, like I said, I don't pretend to know what the future is. I don't pretend to be a fortune teller or have a crystal ball or anything of the sort. These are just the inferences you could pick up on from the language that they're using to communicate here. It's a secret hidden language. It's called the green language in Freemasonry. This is really a thing. This is not something I'm making up. It's a hidden form of communication. It's also known as the language of the birds. 
They hide their symbols and their secrets in plain sight. You just have to know how to read the symbolism. And that's what I'm attempting to do. I've been spending many, many years trying to break this all down and reverse engineer this whole thing. And I've come up with some tools to do so through the understanding and help of many others who have kind of trodden the same path here. So that being the case, I'm trying to share this stuff with you out there. So you have greater discernment of things going on. You can apply these tools and maybe understand some of the hidden agendas behind things. And understand the ways that they pre-echo this for people's minds to accept. It affects your unconscious mind in ways that you don't consciously understand. But it does begin to manifest in a subconscious way later. And it does affect you and affect your behavior. And it softens your mind to prepare it for these things to come. There's something archetypal at play. That's the nature of an archetype. Your unconscious mind will recognize a pattern, will recognize this thing. Your conscious mind won't. But most certainly, your subconscious mind will prepare you for said thing. That's how this happens, how this works. So we see this is the overarching intent that's been put out there into the greater zeitgeist. Now, how this plays out in the actual Super Bowl game itself, uh, we'll get to that. But first, let's get back to this notion I was talking about before we did the breakdowns of the names and the etymology and meanings of the names and the colors and the associations I just made there. But let's get back to this notion of this cipher, this lost word cipher, or this 14 cipher, if you want to call it that, the one four. So now by applying that cipher, we can find more encoded details. Now you'll take careful notice here. The first and fourth letters in the name Swift are S and F. This will be important in a minute, you'll see. The first and the fourth letters in Kelsey are K and C. And there we have the initials of the teams destined for the Super Bowl. San Francisco and Kansas City. SF and KC. And you can go and do this yourself. Just The first and fourth letters of their last names. Swift, SF, Kelsey, KC. Amazing, isn't it? When you know how to identify some of their hidden tools and methods of communication, the information you can get from this. And of course, I only got this after the fact. Let's be honest here. I, I, I wouldn't have looked at this prior to seeing which teams are arriving in the Super Bowl and knowing what it was. But perhaps there's some people out there who know the cipher and have known how to apply it ahead of time and come to those conclusions based upon what's out there in the media. I'm not one of those, but hindsight being 2020, I found it now. So this could be considered or construed maybe as some type of revelation of the method, if that's the case. Let's go a step further, though, and this is where I get into some sketchy ground here. Prediction. Predicting the outcome of this game. Like I said, I'm going to stretch out, take a step out on a limb here and do so. 
I do reserve the right to be totally wrong. I've been trying to reverse engineer this communication system for a long time. And if I'm correct about this, well, this will validate certain points to it. But if I'm wrong about that, I don't think it invalidates it, though, either. It's just my understanding of it, perhaps, is off in some way, shape, or form. And we can use it all together as a learning process and maybe be able to figure out what we're missing. So if we look again, applying the simple English gematria to these things and the lost word cipher or the 14 cipher to it, we see that the cipher will pick Kansas City to be the winner of the big game. And if we go a little bit further, I might be able to give you the point spread here too. I'm guessing 11 points will be the likely point spread. And why is this? Because if you add up S and F in Gematria, you'll get the number 25. And if you add up K and C in Gematria, you'll get the number 14. 14, which is the cipher, so that's telling you this is the winner. So what's the difference between 25 and 14? Well, that's 11. And of course, the number 11 is hugely important to these people. And maybe this could be some different context at play. Maybe I'm misinterpreting this. But I see this as possibly being Kansas City winning by 11 points. That's how I'm interpreting this. Like I said, if I'm right about this, fantastic. If I'm wrong about this, also, no big deal in my estimation. I'll take a step out on a limb and make that prediction. Like I said, I do reserve the right to be totally wrong. I'm going on nothing more than the synchromystic metadata that I see out there in the greater zeitgeist and applying these tools that I've ascertained from reverse engineering this stuff for a very long time. Now, my understanding is incomplete in all of this, so I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And of course, we got to keep in mind that there's another set of numbers that comes into play here as well. And I'm not quite sure what to make of this. And this is why it's very hard to make predictions based upon this stuff, because there's other archetypes at play here. The other number, of course, is encoded in the San Francisco team's name, the 49ers. Well, what's 4 plus 9? That's the number 13, which represents the phoenix, the symbol of death and rebirth. Number 13 is also encoded in the Super Bowl number. It's Super Bowl 58. 5 plus 8 is 13. So the 49ers, 13. Super Bowl 58, 13. 13, 13. And if you want to go ahead and take it down to the most simplistic form of gematria, you add together your digits till you get to a single digit. So 13 would be 1 and 3. And you have 4 and 4. 44. The death store's number. Again, so I don't know if there's something more to this, if this is predicting things about to happen in the greater world around us, the greater zeitgeist around us for this coming year of 2024, or if this is going to be applied to perhaps who wins in this game. Hard to say. I can't make that 
claim for sure, but as of right now, based upon the data that I've seen here, I will pick Kansas City by 11 points. And I don't know a thing about football, ladies and gentlemen. I haven't followed football in a number of years now. I used to watch an NFL game every now and again. But that was years ago. And I've long since tuned it out. Haven't watched it. I don't even think I watched the Super Bowl last year. Now, I might tune into the Super Bowl just to see what in the world they're doing here with this massive occult ritual. But we'll see. But like I said, I'll step out on the limb, make that prediction. And I do reserve the right to be totally wrong, so don't hold it against me if I'm wrong. But certainly, that doesn't disavow any of this information that we've laid out here. Let's go ahead and continue here. So we have this overall hidden messaging in the whole Super Bowl narrative that encodes unrest, discord, violent conflict, leading to a new era imbued with the energy of the Divine Feminine. The symbolical use of colors presented in this year's game also denotes violence or bloodshed in the greater zeitgeist. Red and yellow are gold, or gold, are the prominent colors of both of these teams, and this has a larger effect on the psyches of the masses who partake in this ritual event. So here I'm going to read from the science of motion and number a little bit more about the colors inherent here. Crimson is the color of affection and human feeling. It is the self-relative color because our affection is given to persons on account of their particular relation to us. Affection is purely a physical and animal feeling. It is not one of the high and noble emotions that has generally been supposed to be, but is purely animal in its character, pertaining solely to the physical nature of man. Therefore, the color which it produces is crimson, the color of blood, because it is through this blood relation that we have this outgrowth of affection. I'm going to pause for a second. So the color red invokes the animalistic nature of man. Keep that in mind. Scarlet is the color of anger, another shade of red. The color which the astral body of man assumes when he is intensely angry. Now anger is really the forcible action of the will in a very positive manner, moving outward, acting from the center of the being outward. This is what produces the state of anger. It is also related to the physical, once again. So we see physical, related to the physical world. Not attuned to spiritual things. So we see this push towards hyperphysicality again, the hypermaterialist paradigm in play here. In anger, we feel our whole repulsion rising against the physical body of the object of our anger. Just as in the affection, it is the drawing of the physical. We cannot have affection for a person's soul, neither can we have anger at his soul. But these emotional states are related to the physical nature, therefore it is always red. Red represents physical materiality, not spiritual ideas in most contexts. Let's read on. Red is also the color of the will. 
Wherever the will is expressed, it assumes the red color because will is the outflowing or manifesting principle, the extension or presentation of the self into manifestation. Therefore, it is the same truth expressing itself and through the physical. It must therefore bring about a vibratory tendency towards physical expression. Consequently, it becomes the color of red. Then it goes on to talk about a lighter shade of red here which I don't think this one applies in regards to the Super Bowl colors because it doesn't seem to align with this color. And this is the color rose. Rose is the color of life, the color of prana, and as we approach towards the physical, it is more red. That is, the highest degree of physical life is red. As the life is brought under the influence of emotion... It, of course, takes on the blue color, and whatever color is to be found to be blended with this red or rose color will indicate the presence in that degree of that particular color. Also, it should be borne in mind that the paler shades indicate a corresponding weakness of that particular principle accompanied by a corresponding preponderance of the spiritual principle, which is white while the darker shades indicate a presence of the black element, the element of destruction, disintegration, the material evil, etc. So I'm going to pause again. So even though this shade of red that they're calling rose here doesn't necessarily apply in this regard, it is about life being brought under the influence of emotion. And most certainly, that's what big ritual events like this are constructed to produce in people high emotional states, which brings us closer into this physical correspondence here. Now keep in mind, it also says here about whatever colors found to be blended with this red will indicate the presence in the degree of that particular color. So we have to look at the other color here or colors in these uniforms and blend them with the red to see what we get here. So we're going to read about in the next portion here. The primary color is yellow and the color of the mental plane. The color yellow is the color of the mental plane. By this we mean that all the mind states, the manas, are some shade of yellow. Everything vibrating on the mental octave is yellow. The darker the yellow, the more evil, the more gross and material is the character of the thought. The lighter it becomes, the more spiritual it is. The clearer the yellow is, the more purity of thought. That is to say, mind without any foreign intermixture is indicated. But on the other hand, if it is muddy and without this clearness, it will indicate the mixture of foreign elements. The brighter the yellow, the more intense and pointed, the more brilliancy of mind is indicated, while the duller it is, the less of this. These remarks apply to all the other colors on every particular plane as well as to the yellow. The mental body, which is formed of the four lower notes of the mental octave, corresponding to the region of concrete thought, is some shade of ordinary yellow, that is to say, neither gold nor primrose. The darker the shade is, the more it approaches the material, and any mixture of blue in with the yellow would indicate the mixture of astral matter. 
the three higher notes of the mental octave, the region of abstract thought, and their microcosm, the causal body in man, are either gold or primrose. The lower note usually being gold. going to pause for a moment here, folks. Now keep this in mind. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down here. Pale gold indicates the same as this only is a more spiritual aspect of those two colors. Relate to things in themselves, to absolute truth in a way. The pure absolute truth, however, the impersonal truth. The highest type of manas is indicated by primrose yellow. It is the pale primrose which indicates the mental attitude when the personality has been entirely obliterated from consciousness. The presence of red in this indicates also the rising of the will in its relation to the physical as well, to the external expression. Above the mental plane we have the orange octave, which is the buddhic or soul octave. Orange is formed by a combination of yellow and red in almost equal proportions. Buddhi, or determining intelligence, is really the will working through mind. Not the astral will, of course, but the buddhic will. But it is the mind expressing itself outward and expanding, going out of its own particular circuit, its little sphere, and uniting itself with the universal. It is, in a word, the individual mind uniting and blending itself with the universal just as in the universe, it is the going upward towards the spiritual, the ever-expanding manas, but in the, this expanding it becomes budai and is no longer manas, but determining intelligence. Therefore, orange is the color of budai, all of the substance of the buddhic plane and of man's buddhic body or soul likewise. The more positive expression of buddhi, or budai, pure reason, is more read with the negative aspect, intuition or indrawing feminine principle of Budai is less of the red. So I'm going to pause there. That's the end of the portion we're reading from the esoteric meaning of color contained in the Science of Motion and Number book produced by the Hermetic Brotherhood. And I hope you picked up some of the connotations there. So we have red being very much material-minded, physical-minded. And we have gold. Gold being the application of the feminine principles. And, of course, we have the other connotations attached here with that. And the blending of red and this gold or yellow would relate to orange. Now, is there a certain individual out there that you relate to the color orange that may be a prominent figure out there in the media narrative right now? Well, we have an election this year, don't we? And who's the orange guy? I think we all know what we're talking about here. So maybe this is encoded there as well. Only time will tell. Like I said, I reserve the right to be totally wrong about this. But all these things are most definitely out there. The data is there. Okay, This, this synchro-mystic metadata is most certainly out there in the greater information field, in the zeitgeist. And you could de deny it all you want. You could stick your head in the sand and say there's nothing to it. It's not really there. Oh, it's most certainly there. It's just your interpretation of it and how you react to it that makes the difference. 
So we have these connections, we have these numbers, these names, these colors presented and how they align in all these different ways and how layer upon layer of it seems to add up and line up in these ways. And we would be remiss to not mention the halftime show. Well, who's going to be headlining the halftime show? Well, wouldn't you know, it's pop icon Usher. Usher will be headlining the halftime show. How much do you want to bet he'll be wearing red and gold? Let's watch and see. Of course, he'll be there to usher in this new era of sports entertainment with this divine feminine principle attached to it. Anyway, regardless of your thoughts about all of this stuff, even if you think it's total nonsense, what you need to understand is that there are people in positions of power in this world that very much believe in these types of ideas, and the things they do to act upon their belief in these ideas will most certainly affect all of us. So it's important that you understand it as well. It's also important that you understand that they do use these hidden forms of communication with each other out there in plain sight, and they laugh at you because you're not in on the in-joke. You don't get it. They poke fun at you, right? Right with all of this. It's right, it's right out there in plain sight, and you don't know it. You don't know it's there, and they laugh. They get a, the biggest kick out of that, that they could talk about whatever they want in front of you, and you just don't get it. You don't understand it. It's like the allegory of think back to when you were a kid and you watched some of these cartoons, and you missed all the adult humor references in the, the, the cartoon because you just didn't get it. You weren't in on the joke, you see. You didn't understand. That was not in your level of understanding. It's the same kind of thing that goes on here. This is a legitimate thing. There is a hidden form of communication that goes on. Like I said, it's referred to in Freemasonry as the green language. It's called the language of the birds. It's called phonetic Kabbalah. There are other names and references for it. And like I said, I reserve the right to be totally wrong on a lot of this stuff because I may not be totally correct in my interpretation of the symbolic language. But I do recognize there's a hidden message here. There's hidden messaging I might not be able to completely break down what the message is, because I don't always have the correct cipher for it. But I do recognize when there's a covert communication going on. And like I said, I've spent many years trying to reverse engineer this. And I have a very limited knowledge of this stuff. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. The point here is... They always have agendas in mind at the heart of all of these types of events. All of these events that attract many different eyes to them, have many people watching, that influence a great many minds. They use these platforms to alchemically process the human mind through the use of ritual magic or mass mind control. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with that idea. If you're not comfortable with the term magic, if that makes you uncomfortable, replace the word magic with causal engineering, and it might make you a little bit more comfortable. It's the same thing. 
the whole point here is the controllers of this world, they'd never miss an opportunity to engineer the public acceptance of certain agendas through the use of these ritualistic forms of entertainment like the Super Bowl. It stands as a prime example of this. Look at all the energy that they've been feeding into this, all the social energy into the Super Bowl. I mean, you have an entire season of a sport that culminates in this. Not only that, you have all the outside messaging that correlates to it. All of this stuff going on with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and how the media has just put them front and center in your face every day, like 24-7. Taylor this, Taylor that. They even came up with names for her followers. They call them Swifties. Swifties, did you know that's a derogatory term? If you go back about 100 years, that's a derogatory term to call somebody a Swifty. It means they're not too, not too bright. They're not the sharpest tool in the shed. And they refer to these people as that, and these people refer to themselves as that, as Swifties. It's a poke in the eye. They're laughing. They laugh about this stuff. They get the greatest kick that you're so stupid that you don't even realize you're insulting yourself. That's the whole point here. I mean, it gives them more of this type of empowerment in this kind of way. So like I said, we look at all of the social energy that's been put into this one culminating event that's known as the Super Bowl, which is a take on the superb owl. It's the focusing of the divine feminine energy into this one particular place at this particular time, aligning the stars. Las Vegas, the stars, with their two 11s. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey there, the 22. The master builder, part masculine, part feminine, combined in an alchemical wedding of sorts to process the human mind further into accepting this bloody turmoil that they've put out there in the greater zeitgeist by empowering this archetype of Eris that they've attached to Taylor Swift that's now being married in an alchemical type wedding situation to the greater sports entertainment media complex. That beast that is media and entertainment and sports. It's a juggernaut, this giant beast with its scarlet woman now. Do you see the writing on the wall yet, folks? And of course, like I said, Eris, in the old myth, threw the golden apple in with the gods to stir up this turmoil and tension. This suggests a great reset of sorts within the confines of those who call themselves the Olympians. That would be these dark occultists who run things in these great positions of power in this world. 
Perhaps there's a bit of a shakeup, and they're switching gears, giving the reins of power back over to somebody else. They do sometimes do that, because they have infighting as to just how to proceed with certain things. And who's going to be the beneficiary of certain things? But they always work towards the same overarching goals. But I don't know what this whole year is going to shake out like, what it's going to look like. But these are the social engineering cues and tells that I see encoded in the very occult fashion here in this synchromystic metadata. So that's what we could say. So are you ready for some football? <laughs> Isn't that the old song? Are you ready for some football? Isn't that old Hank? Hank. Old Hank. But there you have it. I think we're in for a wild ride here in the year 2024. If this synchromestic metadata or my interpretation of it holds true here. Like I said, I reserve the right to be totally wrong on this stuff. I'm still trying to reverse engineer this. It's very difficult trying to decipher a secret language, folks. I would urge you go ahead and try. It's one thing to recognize there's a hidden communication going on, but it's another thing entirely to try to break it down in these types of ways. And I have developed some primitive tools for looking at this that is helpful, and I'm passing those on to you. So hopefully you can do the same thing and take it a step further. That way we could identify where the deceptions and lies are. And we could identify the ways in which the human psyche is being manipulated by those social engineers that like to steer mass consciousness in certain directions. And we see this programming template presented to us in this big event. It's a big ritual, folks. I'm curious to see what Usher's going to do on stage during the halftime show and what other things are going to happen. That always seems to be a central focus or focal point for the ritualistic aspect to this. And you can always look at the commercials, too. We saw a lot of interesting commercials with last year's Super Bowl, didn't we? Things talking about going down the rabbit hole. You remember that? And of course, last year we identified as the year of the rabbit. And they used this symbolism over and over again to pull the human mind in one direction or another. And I've done a bit of work on that. You could go back and review that to see where we're at now but let's not overlook the point that this is the year of the dragon now in the Chinese zodiac but it seems they've shifted gears from the focus being on China or the eastern traditions back to some more middle eastern traditions but still the same energies apply the dragon, also associated with some of these various motifs that we see represented in the Super Bowl as well. 
But only time will tell how it all shakes out. Only time will tell, and of course they're gearing up for the next big pandemic situation and everything too. Naming things like Disease X and trying to vote the World Health Organization. All of these massive overarching powers, emergency powers, in the case of a health emergency, which is poorly defined. And you have think tank groups like the World Economic Forum pushing and promoting this agenda and claiming it's for the greater good and all the nonsense they always do. That's all quietly going on in the background too. There's so much evil rampant in this world, folks. We're living in the age of deception. And a lot of these things are coming to a culmination here. They're trying to steer this world in a direction that I don't think the vast majority of us want. So we need to understand we're more powerful than we realize. And if we stand up and say no and stand in opposition to this stuff and don't comply with the nonsense that they give us, and if we recognize the ways in which they try to manipulate our minds through the use of rituals like this Super Bowl thing and all of the things leading up to it and all the media hype, if we recognize that, we can break the mind control and not capitulate to their plans. There's still a vast amount of hope, ladies and gentlemen. We have hope. And we have massive amounts of people waking up to the deception and nonsense now, more so than ever before. Although they're on different levels of understanding here. Some of them are just at that mainstream political level, where they see the political corruption and they understand there's political corruption, but for some reason they still think they could vote themselves out of the situation. And those people are beginning to be reached by some of us that have been a little deeper into this type of research for some length of time. They're beginning to see, hey, you know what? I don't think my vote's going to matter so much. I don't think voting's going to solve the problem. There's something deeper going on here. And it goes beyond just governments and political corruption there's open and outright evil walking around out there in the world right now. Satanism on display, in public view, undisguised. All these things that went on behind the veil in the past are now being revealed to man in the public. All these things are coming to light. We're living in the time of revelation. People are beginning to see more clearly and understand the depths of the evil and corruption out there. So that being the case, like I said, I do have some extreme hope that we can get enough people awake and aware of this stuff and to consider ways of thinking like what I just presented to you. We get enough people and enough numbers to accept that way of thinking and understand that there's something very real to it and that people in positions of power in this world very much apply some of these principles once they realize that, it's game over for these clowns. It's game over. Once you know how they get things done and what their motivations for doing these types of things are. Once you recognize this going on. Then 
then you begin to understand on a deeper level. And you begin to see things for what they really are. With no facade, you can see through it. Manly P. Hall said something to the effect, When man learns to read the language of symbology or symbolism, a great veil will be lifted from his eyes. That's true, and we're seeing that happening. And that's why it's important that we present information like this out there. Even if people want to listen to this and, and laugh at me and think it's all nonsense. Well, the, the mere fact that they laugh at it and will outright dismiss it you know what? That doesn't that doesn't make the data go away. It's really there. And at some point they're going to have to face up to the fact that that data is there, it does exist, and it does defy statistical probability and maybe there is some type of a pattern emerging here. And at some point they're going to have to face up to that, no matter how uncomfortable it makes them. And that's the point we're at today with information like this. So, like I said, I reserve the right to be totally wrong on the things that I predicted here. I may be missing part of the puzzle. That most certainly is feasible. But I hope you have attained some value from this, this talk here tonight. But that's all the time we have, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to remind you I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you next time. Have a good night now. We lead the world in facing down a threat to decency and humanity. Last week, along with cocaine, what is it today? Is more in one small country. It is a big idea. Because the repression has a new Church, 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 church